0: Okay, welcome to episode two of the Titus Techcast. Slight change in the name from the Average Linux User podcast, and I'm here again with Zero. How are you doing, mate? I'm all right, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. You been up too much? Um,
1: no, not really. Yeah. Uh, you, you know my ongoing struggles with getting Spyro reignited to work, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll,
0: uh we'll talk about that in a moment, actually. Okay, so I thought we could start with OpenSuSE 15.2, as you are the resident Gecko man.
1: Yeah, I'm the resident Lizard ambassador. <laughs>
0: <laughs> would you... Uh, uh,
1: so, yeah, Leap 15.2 came out last Thursday, I think it was. Um, Too much muted applause, I think. <laughs> yeah, I but it, it's it.
0: quite an underrated thing, isn't it? I've, I haven't seen much sort of fanfare for it, like, at all.
1: Yeah. Uh, so what, what do we have in this release? we got got uh, Colonel 5.3. Yep. Yeah. Um, with backported updates, of which I do not know the details. Um, Main things in this release seem to be related to AI and machine learning uh, being available.
0: Yeah, I noticed that as well. There doesn't seem to be too much really going on majorly, I can't see.
1: No, so the main things seem to be uh, Kubernetes is now an official package in the release. Yeah. Um, which to me, that seems like they're a little bit late to the party because I'm sure that like, even from like, uh, 1804, Ubuntu was doing the whole like Kubernetes thing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, TensorFlow is now available and there's a couple of other things. Um, it does surprise me though that, uh, so they ended up delaying the open 15.2 release um i'm not sure what the reasoning behind that was because it was originally scheduled for sort of like april i think it was really and they ended, yeah they and they ended up pushing it back but i'm not sure on what the details were but it surprises me that they didn't take that opportunity to bump the kernel to
0: 5.4 yeah there's a few things that i thought could have been a bit more recent mainly the desktop packages though i think the um i think gnome 3.34 seems a bit old to me at the moment
1: yeah because it's like you know Ubuntu's got an LTS version that came out in April and that managed to ship
0: 3.36, 336. yeah I and th- uh, kernel 5.4 as well I'm not sure if I've, I mean, I remember mentioning it in a discord about the memory leak that was still present in 3.34 but I think you said it might have been sorted for this release or something
1: yeah I think they, I, I think the fix got backported to Leap's version but I would have to like go into the mailing
0: lists and check. Have you actually checked out fifteen point two on a computer or have you just not? Really? Yeah, so I had it
1: from I had it from like beta two, I think it was. Um and then I tried the release candidate and, and um Goldmaster as well. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't think it it feels pretty solid actually. It it's actually, really solid, yeah. Strangely, it seems to boot faster on my machine than tumbleweed does
0: why would you why do you think that
1: it i i'm not sure but when i've like it seems to be the plymouth screen is up for longer it does more revolutions on the swirly whirly thing that you get (laughs) than uh than on leap and i'm not really sure why because i would have thought that some of the um newer packages would have made things a little bit speedier it, it's kind of like it's not significant like it's not like 10 15 seconds or whatever but it's like there's a, there's a couple of extra seconds or so I'm kind of like oh okay and it, it it's repeatable as well because i had it on my laptop
0: i'm gonna have to test that out after this um podcast actually because i'm still writing like my notes for the review that i'm doing of it yeah but overall i've really enjoyed my time with it to be fair there's a few little quirks here and there that are a bit weird but other than that it's been yeah. fine
1: those quirks with every distro though aren't they?
0: yeah i mean there's little things though that i think shouldn't have made it into a final release i remember mentioning the um the flat pack thing i think that needs fixing
1: yeah the flatback repo thing that is um i think that was an issue on tumbleweed for a little bit as well but i don't know if they patched it or not in there
0: it, it's a very minor thing but i think if you're not quite Sure, what's going on there? That might lead to a bit of confusion. That's not that necessary, really, because it's a very easy yeah. fix.
1: Yeah, it's a really, it's a really easy fix. It's just kind of like, mm, why did this? Um, why did this get put out? Because they had a um, a week from the Gold Master to release where they they could have patched it. Because they patched the uh, Intel microcode bug right. that was there that was preventing certain. Um, Intel CPUs from booting because of the, I forget what the latest exploit's called.
0: Yeah, I don't know. For those unaware of what um, we're talking about, the if you try and add the FlatHub repo it'll return an error. But basically all I did to fix it, I don't know if this is the universal way of doing things or not, I just deleted the Flatpak folder and re-added it and it was fine.
1: Yeah, so it, it comes up with the error, it's like slash var slash lib slash Flatpak There you go, repo, yeah. Something like that. And the fix is just to um, remove that folder and then try to add uh,
0: whatever Flatpak repo you're using. Yeah, I mean, uh, it can... it's an easy enough fix. I think, I think the whole the whole desktop setups I think are quite interesting as well. So I tried out the XFCE package. Oh yeah, and it has its. Um, so you mentioned about going into the details of things, which I didn't actually know was even a thing. That if you go into the in the installer and the software selection bit you can click details and then sort of granularly choose like more more control yeah. over the packages, which is amazing, I think. Yeah. But it has its own um sort of package called like OpenSUSE XFCE desktop skin or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And I think the um, um most of them do. I think it's quite a nice setup to be fair. It's not it doesn't stray too far away from sort of standard XFCE, it just looks a bit nicer. Obviously when you've got a base XFCE install it can look a bit grim. Yeah, especially on high DPI monitors, it's not quite there yet. <laughs> but no, I think I've think I really enjoyed it. I think when I do my final review, I'm going to try and condense it into about, I don't know, like 10 to 15 minutes of, of, of video mm-hmm. and then move on from there. I think as a sort of regular, what is the um, release pattern for um, Leap? You- uh, so Leap, I think, is
1: you get a new um quote-unquote version every sort of 12 to 18 months usually to coincide with um SUSE linux enterprise right. uh, service packs but then i don't know what the overall lifespan of one like whole number release is if how... that makes sense kind of like Leap 15.
0: yeah how long ago was 15.1 uh, 15.
1: released Oh fifteen point one goodness me, I'd have to Google it. Okay, don't worry about it. I think it was a while ago. Right. Okay. Um but yeah, it so from my understanding, each uh SUSE enterprise release is branched from open SUSE factory at some point. Right. And that goes towards making the next major version. And then each like sort of point release is just like a service pack basically.
0: And why do you think that OpenSUSE doesn't really get that much attention compared to the other sort of mainstream distros because it's been going now for over 10 years I was look I was doing a little sort of research on it. Yeah. I think the initial yeah. release was like 2005
1: or something. Yeah, it's been going a really long time. Um I mean, I I can't really speak for how OpenSUSE thinks. Um you know, they're they're not getting as much exposure. I don't know if it's just because, you know, Ubuntu kind of dominates the the landscape a little bit.
0: Do you think Um, it could be um, like a branding issue, though?
1: uh, I don't think so, because I actually quite like sort of OpenSUSE's branding. Um, Although I know that there have been discussions about the fact that some of the kind of first impression when you go onto their website and they have Tumbleweed and Leap is kind of a bit like off-putting to right. certain uh, users because it's kind of like they, they want people to use Tumbleweed a little bit more but it's kind of like the way it's marketed is like ooh it's for makers and hobbyists <laughs> and all this stuff and it's kind of like well actually like normal users could probably get away with it too there's nothing you know there's nothing stopping people that are used to kind of arch and other rolling distros to use tumbleweed tumbleweed. yeah yeah um and i saw a lot of comments on their um subreddit the other day along the lines of people who want a pretty stable rolling release distro are best off with tumbleweed and i thought that was interesting
0: yeah i think I think it does feel like just a stable distro, all in all, obviously both packages, but more so Leap. Mm. I've not spent too much time with Tumbleweed to really have a sort of a concrete opinion on it, though, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I I think that's the issue. I need to stick with it for a lot longer. It'd be like, okay, like, write out, like, a lot more updates and see how it goes. So have
0: you sort of traditionally spent more time just using
1: Leap? Um, I kind of... With my time with OpenSUSE, I was kind of hopping between the two. Um, probably more so with Tumbleweed because when I first came to OpenSUSE, fifteen point one was at that point still quite ancient.
0: As yeah, well. it was. I, I was reading um, to some old notes about that as well, and that felt—I don't, <laughs> don't know when it was released, but it seems like it would have felt stale even when it was released. To be fair
1: yeah so i think maybe 18 months is a little a little bit long but then it's <laughs> kind of like yeah it's still you know more
0: regular than some other releases so i don't know well i think it's fine for most users to be fair i think i've been using it as a daily driver and it's not you know stop me from doing anything that i'd usually do in any other distro so mm. i've enjoyed it right so we've also got a new release well a bit later in the earlier in the sort of cycle is linux mint 20 did you try out that at all
1: uh i did boot to the live iso for the cinnamon edition yeah um and i I thought it was quite nice actually it it felt pretty you know pretty solid still had that kind of mint feel about it like so i'll see it's Hard to explain, but it just sort of like every time I go to Mint, it always, you know, just it feels exactly the same as when I first tried it. It always has that
0: like nice,
1: kind of welcoming feeling.
0: I think um I saw some people like complaining that they didn't feel like there was enough in it as like a newer version, but I'm not sure what they really expected. It's got the you know the latest 20.04 yeah. base, and I, I actually really enjoyed it. I wouldn't use it personally because I just. Yeah. There's just things I'd want to do that you probably couldn't do as easily on Linux Mint, but I think for people mm-hmm. who are looking just for something user friendly that you can just set up and use, it's perfect.
1: Yeah. I and mean I... Cinnamon now has fractional scaling. What more do people want? <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah,
0: there you go. Well, I think that was the you know, the big sort of takeaway from this release was the um the fractional scaling, to be fair.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's get the release notes up. Let's see, let's see what was new. Okay, so Snap was disabled.
0: New Cinnamon so. as well,
1: 4.6. Yeah.
0: I think. I think it was 4.6.
1: Yeah. Or am I just
0: new? pulling that number out of thin air? Uh,
1: oh, they had Warpenator as well. Warpenator Warpinat
0: is really good. Thing. Um, I've installed it on Archer as well. It's amazing. Yeah. So it's in I that...
1: haven't actually tried it because... I use sync thing for all of my like file sharing across the network but I'm sure that I'd probably try it at some point
0: it's honestly it's probably one of the most user-friendly ways of just sharing a file on the local network to be fair Hmm. it's just a simple case of dragging and dropping into the sort of window and then it will send it over you get one little prompt in your notification area to accept it on the sort of computer that you're sending it to and that's it it's easy as anything
1: Oh, that's pretty cool.
0: It is. I'd I'd use it quite a lot. As I said, you can get it on the AUR repository at the moment as well. Okay. Um. Yeah. Mm. It was. It was Cinnamon four point six, wasn't it? Yeah, it's in the release notes. Uh, what's new? So I think the biggest takeaway again is is the, is the newer version of Cinnamon is Warpanator. I think de- definitely deserves a, a mention there. Mm-hmm. the latest Ubuntu base, and of course the removal of Snap, which everyone, we've already covered that, and of uh, fractional yeah. scaling. Yeah, who, that's pretty... That, wh- yeah, that the, pretty much covers it, I think. Who would you recommend Linux Mint to?
1: Um, So this is interesting, right, because I have a friend who um, she's had two laptops for a while, she had a, her new one because her Old one was getting to be about four or five years old and couldn't keep up with right. her typing notes and stuff like that at uni. Um, so I said to her, Well, hey, like your old laptop, you should totally chuck Linux on it and have a bit of a party. <laughs> Did with she it take and, much convincing? You know. No, actually, she was quite interested because I, I was sending her like screenshots of um, pretty desktops, like, sort of my desktops, pretty desktops, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um. And I was like, "Hey, like you should give this a go." She was like, "Oh, I will." And um, it turns out that her old laptop is uh, so kind of generic that everything just works out of the box on it. Yeah, Uh, so it's kind of it's kind of the ideal play about sort of laptop. I think that's um, one of the well I, factors
0: of Linux, actually, when um, sort of a, a, an ex-Windows user uses it, and it's the fact that you don't have to like inst- install a thousand drivers straight away and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, and I, I said to her, because um, it was around the time this week that I was playing about with Ubuntu as well, and I said to her, Kate, I've got two options for you in terms of distros, because I decided not to chuck her into OpenSUSE, because I thought that might be a bit overwhelming um i said like do you want the kind of more windowsy looking thing or do you want the new radical shiny thing that is from the other like the other perspective and she said oh i think i want to try the new shiny thing so that was uh her installing ubuntu rather than mint
0: <laughs> oh is she still on ubuntu now
1: yeah so she's still on ubuntu now um she, enjoying but it? she she told me yeah she is enjoying it actually she told me the other day that she was like installing gnome tweaks and was going to be like installing <laughs> shell <laughs> extensions and all this stuff and i was like okay maybe at this point you should probably go and look at like a different desktop environment because you're going to hit a wall eventually but
0: well, that's the thing with gnome isn't it you can only go as far as the extensions will really allow you mm. Get her on KDE. I think, I think
1: I do. Yeah, um, I don't think she's tried KDE yet.
0: Well, that'll be a work in progress. I, I am surprised you haven't got her on OpenSUSE to be fair,
1: are you?
0: Yeah, I would have thought even even with the you know feeling of her perhaps being overwhelmed, you would you would have guided her through it and, and, and been there sort of.
1: Well, that was that was the debate I had with myself. I thought, do I kind of put her towards leap and? kind of be more able to give her support because i'm running basically the same thing and i can tell her like what buttons look like and (laughs) things like that um or do i give her something where she you know i can't necessarily tell her but then i could spin up a vm anyway so it's like trivial um and kind of like give her something that she's more able to go and google and find software for and things like that and i kind of thought mm, actually that's probably a little bit of a better shout for her than OpenSUSE.
0: well that's one of the main sort of benefits again of sort of ubuntu and things like that is that everyone's mm-hmm. going to have already have accounted the problem that you've you, you're sort of you're having at the moment so if you go on google or whatever you're going to find someone that's already had that problem and overcome it whereas yeah. i don't know how is open quite like that i'm not too sure uh,
1: it's kind of sometimes it's a little bit difficult to Google problems on OpenSUSE. Do they have um, like um
0: like a like a wiki or something?
1: Uh, yeah. So they've got their wiki. Um, but it that's that's actually very good at explaining kind of the functionality sometimes and how things work and what the intended way to do things is. Yeah. Um, but sort of. A couple of months ago, I was looking at trying to install uh, Boink for doing um, distributed computing, mm-hmm. and I just could not find a way to make it so that it would automatically sign in and sort itself out and and do all of this stuff. And I, I tried and tried and tried, and I just could not find anything. And eventually, the thing that worked for me was i had to find the fedora instructions
0: Ah, okay yeah it makes that sense. then
1: told me how to do the thing that i was trying to do and it it works it works absolutely beautifully but it's like when you're trying to google like boink opens user auto login like just nothing comes up right right and then you know, but if you put in, like, Boink Fedora, like, it brings you to their <laughs> Wikipedia page that's, like, installing Boink on Fedora, and I'm like, okay.
0: I'm not sure how I feel about the name Boink.
1: Uh, it, it's an acronym. What does it stand for? These things always are. Yeah, we love a good uh, acronym, don't we? Berkeley Open Something. I'll have to... I'll, I'll find out for you.
0: Okay, yeah, I'm on the edge because of my
1: seat. it's going to bug it. It's <laughs> like... It's going to annoy me if I don't find it. Yeah, Berkeley Open Infrastructure for Network Computing.
0: There you go. See, I was going to say institute or institution or something. I don't know why that was popping into my head. Oh my of, god! Talking yeah. about acronyms, I've I've been saying um, YAST wrong as well. I've, I was while I was doing my review notes that um, I'm working on a review. I was like YAST, yet another oh, yeah. software tool, and then I was like, oh, I've been saying it wrong the whole time. It's yet another setup tool.
1: I mean. I don't think anybody would slap you on the wrist for that. I definitely wouldn't.
0: (laughs) I think software tool sounds better.
1: Well, yeah, because it's got software management in it, right? So it's like...
0: No one's corrected me on it yet. So maybe people just don't actually know or care.
1: Yeah, maybe. Because it's kind of like OpenSUSE don't really care how you pronounce open user either, but that's another thing. Been, sh- <laughs> that's another
0: thing I've been struggling struggling with as well. So in the first video, I was like open Susa. Two seconds later, open sus and I <laughs> keep jumping between the two because yeah. <laughs> I had a discussion with myself before I filmed it because I just say OpenSu, but I was like, right, I'm going to call it because people moan at me actually for saying uh, like mate instead of Marte. Wow, uh, and I just feel so pretentious if I was like, yeah, well, I'm using Marte at the moment. That. I know that's how it's meant to be pronounced, but I'm, I'm not, I wonder why people care so much.
1: I didn't actually know that it was pronounced mate. Yeah, until it is a... like this year, right? When okay. I googled it, and I was always calling it like Ubuntu Mate Edition or whatever. I just <laughs> I just say
0: mate. Um, I think a lot of British Linux YouTubers. There's not a lot, but everyone that I've seen talk about it again just say mate. I think it's because it's it's like embedded in our like lexicon the yeah. word mate that you just you just say yeah. mate.
1: Yeah, I think OTB is the only one that I've seen that doesn't instinctually do that, but I feel like he's he's just too professional. To... <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, so what I want to talk about next, actually, we've got in the notes here, is the decline of the Linux diversity. So you sent me this article on datamation.com.
1: Yeah, that's from 2015. It's quite an old article. Oh, wow, um, I didn't even notice that. yeah.
0: So, the thing that I've taken away from that, uh, because they mentioned the sort of top 10 in the Distro uh, Distro Watch page rankings. Yeah, well,
1: obviously, that's changed in five years since then.
0: (laughs) No, but even so, it's very, like, the point still stands. It's not very diverse at all, right? So, if you take the first 10... Number one is MX Linux, which is Debian based. Mm-hmm. Number three is Mint, which, is by extension, is is Debian based. If you you know you want to sort of argue semantics or whatever, yeah. Obviously, yeah. it's Ubuntu based, but yeah. And then and then it goes yeah. Ubuntu, and then you've got Debian, and then you've got Elementary, and then you have a couple spaces. Then you've got Zorin and Pop OS. So it kind of is dominated. The top ten is dominated by Ubuntu slash Debian based distributions, the yeah. and the only ones that are sort of not on it, you've got Manjaro. Solace. I'm quite surprised to see Solace in the top ten actually. Yeah. I really like Solace though.
1: Yeah. I um I think I tried it on my laptop at some point, um, but it was a little bit little bit slow, I thought, compared to
0: When when did you try it?
1: Oh um about three or so months ago. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And I, I don't know what it was that was slow. I don't know if it was just because it had loads of updates to be doing or or what. But I I tried it anyway, and I was like, mm, like this doesn't feel as zoomy as what I was using before. <laughs> so I, I quickly got rid of it.
0: So um, what do you make of the article, in particular the, the decline of the number of distros that are listed? I haven't checked. While you're talking, I'm going to check how many distros are actually listed now since that article was written
1: yeah uh so i think there is this bit of a a saying at least uh, i've noticed recently that there's kind of this um oh there's a new distro oh it's yet another ubuntu yeah um and i think that some of the reasoning for that is just because ubuntu does so well at you know ending up being a lot of people's distro kind of a, of choice whether they're newcomers or or not. And a lot of people go, Oh, I want to you know, I, I think I touched on this um in the last episode about people wanting to learn more about Linux and they kinda go, Oh, I'm gonna make my own distro because uh. I think it's a good good way to do that. Um and then obviously because they're used to Ubuntu they go, hey, I'll just base it on Ubuntu because why not?
0: Yeah, I think that uh, that does lead to the lack of diversity as well. Not even just mm. the decline of things, and I guess the reason why things are declining is because people are half-heartedly, if you like, spinning up these new distros with the intention. Of, or maybe their intentions are really good when they first do it, mm-hmm. but life kind of gets in the way, and you know, being the single person, like one person, one entity, trying to do all of this stuff. It's just not. It's not feasible.
1: No, no, certainly. And you, you showed me that article that um, Alan Pope had written. He he did the whole website for it.
0: Yeah, make
1: advocating make a Linux app rather than Mr. make One. another distro. And I I love this paragraph that he has at it, the bottom. He it says, might be the same paragraph. Yeah, he's like too often. Um, technical enthusiasts fall into the trap of creating more Linux distributions. We do not need more Linux distributions. <laughs> <laughs> Please stop making Linux distributions.
0: <laughs> I mean, he's got a point. To be fair, the mm-hmm. um, the app ecosystem does need to get a bit better. But um, so I read the um, Reddit thread that this was because I wasn't aware of this website's existence. For those that are listening, mm-hmm. it's Make App, which is written by Alan Pope who works for Canonical on the Snapcrafters team. Yeah, um, he works.
1: He's, he's like um, community man slash yeah, senior developer advocate slash, yeah.
0: So I think I, I think he makes a really good sort of case here for the argument he's trying to make. But I think when I was reading the um, Reddit thread, because he linked it on his Twitter, that's how I sort of knew of it, the Reddit thread's existence, mm-hmm. people are, were complaining that one of the suggestions of sort of... <laughs> Things to use was Electron. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't know. he's It's not like he's just listed Electron though. He's listed quite a few things there.
1: Yeah, he even listed Ubuntu Touch Platinum.
0: He did. He did. Yeah, it's on there right now. Yeah,
1: yeah, because um, he has what he's got. Gnome obviously, KDE frameworks obviously. He he had elementary OS, which I thought was interesting.
0: Would you know what made me laugh the most as well, like through sort of watching people's responses to this website? Someone went, ha-ha, well, at least you haven't put snap first, (laughs) ha-ha. I don't know Is that word was like, Um, was that cautionary or something? I was like, and then I think Alan Pope just replied, it's in alphabetical order. Uh, (laughs) It just cracked me up. (laughs) (laughs) People are always looking for a little bit of drama somewhere. Yeah.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned um, the OpenSUSE Build Service there because that doesn't get enough of a spotlight shone on it sometimes.
0: What? Talk me through the um, the OpenSUSE Build Service. Is that what is the acronym for?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think basically the idea is is that you you'd write your app and then you upload it to OBS and say I want you to build it against like Ubuntu um 2004, Fedora32, and I want you to package it for OpenSUSE as well. Because I've used it, it loads it in the goes, past. Yeah, it just kind of goes away and makes the package for you, is my understanding of it, and it kind of automates that. And I, I think you can tie it into OpenQA testing, but I, I'm a little bit fuzzy on beyond that. Um But I know a long time ago there was an app that I needed right. uh, that did not have an Ubuntu release, but somebody had actually put it onto OBS and it acts as an apt repository and you can install it on Ubuntu through that?
0: Yeah, I've encountered that before, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and I don't think it gets enough little kind of acknowledgement sometimes for being able to do that. So,
0: to flip it on, on its head sort of thing, so the... The the original article from Data DataMation, Datamation r- r- talking about the lack of diversity. Do you think there's perhaps too much diversity in the different ways to package these applications? Um,
1: I think there's there's two there's two separate problems, isn't there? There's um the fact that you know there's not enough current, current diversity with distributions and everything's kind of based upon, based upon, based upon to the nth degree. I think
0: that's only at the top level though, so I think there is personally, I think there is a lot of diversity in in Linux distributions, there's loads of them out there really, I think it's the the main ones where there's a a lack of diversity I think
1: Yeah, that's true Um, but then you have stacked on top of that, the diversity in packaging Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, and then it's like, it, it just makes it really difficult for developers to kind of appease everybody i think because there's a lot of apps that um they'll either have a snapcraft version or a flat pack version and possibly a native version but they won't have one or other of those things um you know and it because it, it kind of takes time for people to be putting them into these containers and things like that yeah, uh, but there is there is a couple of apps that I've also seen where they just go absolutely bonkers and they do package it for basically everything.
0: <laughs> well I think I think Caden Live does a really good job of, of packaging their app. They kind of they've got pretty much every basis covered, I'd I'd say.
1: Yeah, and uh I think FreeTube
0: does as well. I've never used FreeTube actually.
1: Yeah, I think FreeTube
0: has Every package under the sun available to it there you go then. I still think that's a yeah. lot of a lot to ask for though um for like a single app developer like entity to have to think of all these various ways of packaging different mm. things and sort of making the decision of what one to sort of bet for, for yeah the, do you know what I mean,
1: yeah, and naturally, some of them are going to fit the workflow more than others, and it's kind of like. Mm.
0: Mm. so we're gonna we're gonna move on to this whole rolling release versus sort of a stable release kind of thing if you like because recently there has now been is it a rolling rhino yeah that's it rolling rhino yeah. have you taken a look at rolling rhino at all
1: i have not i have to confess I, all i know is like what you know pretty much
0: yeah so i i, I installed it onto a, a spare disc just very temporarily and just had a little poke around mainly because i just wanted to see how it actually worked mm-hmm. i think it's uh it's a commendable effort though i think it would be quite good if they carried on with it the uh, the yeah. process of sort of tra- uh what would be the word transforming um, into a rolling release is it's quite an easy thing for the end user to do it was a couple of lines of commands and from uh, martin's winpress's github but I think there are, there were some sort of issues that do arise from using it compared to just the standard release, and I think one of them that was mentioned, because I watched his live stream the other day about it as well, was mm-hmm. the sort of security fixes that get released into the LTS version first might delay a bit in the, um, the Devil channel.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm not sure how long it... I think it could be as little as a few hours, but I think that's something that needs to be considered.
1: Yeah i mean it's kind of like what, what do you want do you want newer you know base packages and wait a little bit for your security updates or do you want you know i think that'd be a... security first
0: yeah i think i don't know i think i'd probably err on the side of security first a little bit
1: mm. um. yeah um i did actually find this out the other day i i i I didn't know this previously. Um Ubuntu does phased rollouts for their updates. Yeah. So they they don't release an update to everybody at exactly the same time. They release it at like 10% increments or something.
0: Oh really? Yeah, that so um
1: yeah, so it it, it does something uh, I actually thought was quite clever. It um uses the machine ID that it calculates as an MD5 sum. Right. And then it basically like the the update server I think selects a ten percent range of all the machine IDs that it, it knows or it, it the maximum range of MD five sums that it can do because there is only a limited number. Mm-hmm. And it selects like ten percent of them to release the update to you. I never knew that. And then it waits a bit and then sees if there's any um, bug reports or or whatever that come in from that time period for those packages. And then if it doesn't, in like the next, I can't remember what time frame it is, but after a while, it releases it to another ten percent of people, and then so it's sits like a there and waits. Staggered.
0: And...
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought that was actually quite interesting. I didn't know that they did that before.
0: What you just mentioned about whether there's like an issue with it, that is probably quite a good benefit of the fact that you haven't rolled out that issue to everyone all at once, yeah, so that's quite cool and
1: i suppose it, I suppose it takes a little bit of load off of the servers as well. It kind of load balances across um the maximum time frame that it uses, which I think is something like fifty two hours or something
0: right so do you you're on rolling release because you're on Tumbleweed, right? Yeah, I'm on Tumbleweed at the minute. And do you prefer that sort of model?
1: Um, So, it kind of depends. I like both. I think both have their uses. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, because of some of the things that OpenSUSE does with Leap, I would probably be using Leap if I wasn't having issues with other things. But I do think that for, I mean, I I linked you that article from uh, Richard Brown, where he's like, he he admits that he doesn't use Leap at all anymore. He uses exclusively Tumbleweed. Uh Um, And I kind of like, I get the logic about multiple smaller updates being better than fixed point releases jumping from like one thing to the next but i kind of think yeah you know both have their roles to play a little bit sometimes
0: well i was um i was toying with the idea of something i'm going to do in the future where i'd have like a machine that's always offline apart from every now and then it, it might you know go online to do whatever and i think oh, yeah,
1: and see how well it updates
0: yeah because i think <laughs> arch in, in particular obviously updates can come through quite thick and fast And I don't I don't I think that would probably be the worst thing to have on the machine that is offline sort of sporadically and limited connection kind of thing. So I think. Yeah. And I think actually the best distro I'm trying to what I'm trying to do with this idea that I've got is find out which would be the best distribution for like 90 percent offline use of the time kind of thing. And oh, I'll, so kind of like um, embedded systems almost. Sort of. Well, I was I was hoping there would be some articles about this, so I'd sort of done a little few Google searches and stuff to see if people were sort of considering this or even talking about it, and I found some really mm-hmm. old articles about distributions that were a thing back in the day that had this sort of idea in mind, but I think at the moment, because we're in such like a connected online world, there isn't really that thought about an offline distro yeah. that's gonna have limited connectivity. Yeah. So if I was ever in sort of a place where I wouldn't have a you know twenty-four-seven internet, which these days is very unlikely. Yeah. I'd want something that has everything included that you didn't need to update regularly and I've kind of there's a few things there's a few distros that I've thought about doing this sort of little test with and one of them's actually Linux Mint because mm-hmm. i remember the the argument of linux mint when it first came out was the fact that it included the codecs and everything else in the um installer at a time when ubuntu didn't yeah obviously now there's a checkbox and things like that in ubuntu where you can do it all and stuff like that but yeah i'm trying to i'm wondering what open leap would be like in that kind of use case
1: yeah i I'd, I'd be interested to find out as well um i'm going to do it i think it would be okay yeah yeah
0: I just i just know that a rolling release would really not fare well in that kind of scenario and
1: yeah and yeah i've seen reports of people that have had tumbleweed isos from like a year 18 months ago and they install it onto their system and do the the zipper dupe to the yeah latest version and they're like it worked absolutely beautifully
0: interesting yeah I'm definitely going to... It's an experiment that I'm, I'm, I'm sort of working up towards doing. Um, cause it, mm-hmm. But I think it is going to be something where it's going to be a bit of a trial and error of different distributions. And I was reading... Um, so there was another like, little article about this and someone was like... Uh, what's that distro called that i done a video of that people hated? Um, hang on. Endless OS. Uh, but, no, en- Endless OS. <laughs> so I did a video yeah. on Endless OS, right? And it was all well and good. People liked it. And then... Um, I think it was maybe a few months ago, someone must have done a video on Endless OS or something and then it recommended my older video on Endless OS, kind of the way YouTube works these days. Yeah. And yeah. like, all of a sudden there was like people going, oh, what, how dare you? And I was like, well, I don't really like it. But um, some of the arguments I've taken into account and I might do a follow-up video on Endless on OS to be fair, but mm-hmm. I'm not a massive fan of Endless OS. But one of the, in the article I was reading... They said that endless OS could have been a uh, something that might work in that kind of scenario because it uses OS tree as well. Do you believe? Right. Okay. Have you ever used it?
1: Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, I do. All I know is that it's Fedora based. Is it? I think. I thought it was
0: Fedora based. It might. It's it like it might well end. be. Yeah. It's been a while since I've actually taken a look at it. To be fair. Yeah, it's either Fedora or rhel based. It might be because, um, obviously, it does use the OS tree and stuff as well. This kind of in a similar way, as far as I'm aware, that Silverblue does. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say about the whole rolling release versus stable release kind of thing? Um,
1: I think some of it kind of, at times, comes down to what hardware you've got. Because there are, or at least I know there's been times where like new new hardware has come out in sort of around this time of year, sort of July, August time, Mm -hmm. and people get it, and the kernel that's in the fixed releases and the graphics drivers that are in the fixed releases aren't up to date enough to cope with it. And even sort of the Ubuntu version that comes out in October may or may not have support for it, so it's kind of like, but by that time there may or may not be support in the kernel for it, and you kind of ended up on a rolling release just to get the thing working
0: (laughs) yeah I I said stable release obviously fixed release I think uh, there's the argument that people are sort of saying rolling releases don't necessarily not have to be unstable and I don't know why the word stable is used in quite that way because I've I don't find it to be like you know completely unstable to use a rolling release Mm -hmm. to be fair with you and I think the terminology might need a bit of a tweak there to be honest yeah yeah so you have had a little adventure, haven't you, recently?
1: Yeah, it was uh, amazing. It was it amazing. Was the best adventure yeah. of my entire life. <laughs> so <laughs>
0: so uh, shall we talk about your little Spyro the Dragon Yeah, let's, let's
1: talk about it. So um, being the amazing consumer that I am, I bought <laughs> um, things on Steam in the summer sale. They had, uh, the, they had a bundle where they were shipping sp- the Spyro Reignited trilogy and the crash bandicoot trilogy together for something like 30 quid and i was like that's actually really damn good because you get basically six games (laughs) for 30 quid um and i was like it's on steam it'll run with proton like it it'll be beautiful so i downloaded spyro first because i was like let's let's see what they've done to spyro okay has it been
0: remastered then
1: yeah like all three games have all been um remastered
0: and when was the? Because uh, I've I'll only ever, to, I swear, I played it on a PlayStation One or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Spyro is a PlayStation One game. That's it. Um, as as of the Crash Bandicoot games mainly. Yeah. Uh, and they, the teams that worked on them, have, I have to say, have done an excellent job uh, remastering them. Uh, Spyro particularly is like very like. I I haven't I didn't actually play the first two Spyro games I only played Spyro Year of the Dragon which is the third one right um, But when I was playing it I was like I I remember these I remember these levels playing them on my little PlayStation One when I was just a little babby I love the PlayStation um, One Yeah and uh, you know it it was really nice to see that they'd done such an excellent job remastering it keeping uh, kind of Slight remixes of the audio, but kind of sticking to the same music and things like that.
0: How large were the Um, um,
1: Spyro downloads? So the Spyro game, for all three in the trilogy, uh, it was 37 gigabytes. Really? Was um, PlayStation 1
0: games originally on CDs?
1: Yeah, or something in that kind of format.
0: Um, so they've done but, quite a bit of remastering to it then for it to be that large.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's um, I think it's in Unreal Engine as well. But, you know, it it runs pretty okay under Proton, except when it doesn't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, you've had a uh, change of distros, haven't you, and now you're back on yeah, the so, one. So,
1: I, I was having problems with Uh, the cutscenes in the games and people said that oh yeah the the glorious egg roll fork of proton seems to fix that and I was kind of like okay and I tried it and it fixed one cutscene and then the next time it loaded a cutscene it would just go to a black screen and basically crash on me and I couldn't even get back to my desktop or anything and I was like okay this is a bit weird maybe there's something that I missed so I added a couple of like Settings to it didn't make any difference, and I thought, "Oh, this is odd." Hmm. Uh, so I had to—I I think I reinstalled down to Leap fifteen two and tried that just to see if that made any difference. Didn't make any difference, and then I just—I just could not get it to work. And I was like, "Oh, like I do not get what's happening here." I'll. You know, I'll just maybe it's the flat pack version of Steam. Maybe it's Proton. Like I have no idea. So I thought, okay, well, I'll get Ubuntu. Okay, because there's a native Steam app. There's a native like they've got the same pretty much Mesa version as Tumbleweed. Like I'll, I'll try that and I'll see whether it's a butterfs problem because I use butterfs on my hard drives. Oh, yeah. I'll put OpenZFS on it and see if see if that makes a difference and then i was playing it and i was like actually this is like it's actually working all the cutscenes are playing it hasn't crashed on me it's it's all good it's all good and i was like okay um and then i can't remember what it was but i ended up uh sort of reinstalling ubuntu (laughs) and when i went to go play the game again It started crashing on me, and I was like, oh, no. And that's vanilla open too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, so whatever problem I was having is not exclusive to OpenSUSE or the Flatpak version. It's something else. Um, So what I ended up doing was I went back to Leap fifteen two to see if I could try and get things working again, completely deleted the game from... My hard drives like got rid of it out of my Steam library, then reinstalled, redownloaded the entire game again, all thirty seven gigabytes of it, and then tried to play it and it didn't like that and I thought, okay, maybe it 's just because the Mesa version is older in leap fifteen two mm mm-hmm. so I upgraded to Tumbleweed, I did an in place upgrade. Went to try it again, and lo and behold, it comes back, and it starts
0: playing. <laughs> so, Did you narrow down like, what okay. the problem was?
1: No. Um, oh. from, from as much as I can gather, it's specific to uh, the Spyro trilogy, because the Crash Bandicoot trilogy doesn't
0: suffer the same problem. And was this using the um, the glorious egg roll proton DB? Build? And this
1: was using the glorious egg roll version of Proton as well. But I obviously need a Mesa version above uh, that, which is in Leap, which I think is nineteen point three point something. Right. So I need like Mesa twenty for it to work properly. And then I also need the glorious egg roll version of Proton for Spyro. But I don't need it for Crash Bandicoot, so it's it's something about the Spyro trilogy with the cutscenes that it just doesn't like for whatever reason.
0: So I've just um, checked the original PS1 disc capacity because I was just curious. Six hundred and sixty megabytes. Wow! So a lot. But that was only
1: that was only for the one game.
0: Yes, yeah, so w- was the original games more than one disc, or were they just all on yeah, one disc? Because
1: they, because they had they had Spyro One, they had like uh Spyro Two, Ripto's Rage, and then they had Spyro Three Year of the Dragon, and they were all three separate
0: releases. So how did you find your very, very minor vacation on Ubuntu?
1: Um, so obviously I yeeted snap right out of there because i was like no i do not want this sitting there (laughs) (laughs) um but i i kind of like the fact that i could just like go to the steam website download the deb install the deb, it was working go to the discord website download the deb that's officially supported install it working like all all that kind of stuff um
0: because traditionally you use the flat pack don't you
1: yeah, on OpenSUSE, I use the Steam Flatpak. Why is that? Um, I think because I didn't actually notice any performance difference between the Flatpak version and the native Steam app that's bundled right. in the repos. And part of my logic was well, I need to install Discord via Flatpak anyway because of. Uh, there's some codec weirdness that goes on with the one that is packaged in the repos sometimes. What, on OpenC, which C, sir? The, uh,
0: yeah. It's which fine the with the, um, the Pac-Man repo. That's what we, I'm using at the moment.
1: Yeah, that that was the thing. I was like, oh, I don't really want to have to add the Pac-Man repo just right. to install Discord. So I thought, well, okay, I don't have this problem with the Flatpak <laughs> version. And then there's, there's other apps that I was installing via Flatpak Anyway, so I thought, well, I might as well just put Steam in a flat pack as well, because why not?
0: So, getting Um, back to Ubuntu, anyway.
1: Yeah, so I kind of felt that it was, to start with, a little bit snappier, kind of a bit, like, smoother with some of the animations. But then, actually, in retrospect, now that I've gone back to OpenSUSE, I don't think it is actually... Quicker per se. I think it's just because the animation is there in GNOME. It kind of makes you feel like it's doing more.
0: Um, so, because on OpenSuSE you don't use GNOME, though, do you? I,
1: I don't use I don't use GNOME on uh, on OpenSuSE. I use KDE.
0: So the GNOME um, animations, I actually kind of hate them. I um, there's a GNOME really? ex- yeah, there's a GNOME extension called Impatience. I think it's called, which will um, <laughs> basically just remove the uh, speed them up if you like. I find them a bit slow. Yeah yeah so i use the um the impatience extension to sort of make that then does make gnome feel like you know lightning fast to be fair yeah
1: yeah but um, when i was when i was actually testing it and having a good play about with some of the menus and stuff i was like actually like i don't think it is snappier i think it's just like this weird illusion that i had <laughs> that it was
0: so one thing I need to grill you about actually is I noticed you shared a screenshot of your GNOME desktop in the Discord linked in the description below. By the way, um, you put your dock to the right. Yeah, that really unnerved me. Did it? <laughs> yeah, because I I had to use them because obviously when I'd done the K Focus laptop review thing, I used yeah. a similar setup. Obviously it was on KDE. Oh, and
1: they had they had the KDE panel on the right, and didn't it you?
0: it drove me insane did it yeah because obviously um, i think we're used to the paradigm of you know well i am used to the top left because i I have a always have a dock at the bottom panel at the top sometimes i might feel a yeah. bit fruity and put my dock on the left but the panel's yeah. always on the top where the application launcher is yeah and it's something that i mentioned in my mx linux video earlier because they have a one panel solution all to the left but they kind of flip yeah. they kind of flip the um order of things so like your power button like your logout Power exit buttons are all at the top,
1: right? Okay,
0: and then your application launches at the bottom. So whenever I okay. see someone with a panel on the right, it, <laughs> it, it drives me insane.
1: Okay, uh, so normally on uh, KDE and OpenSUSE, what I do is I kind of go for the sort of macOS-esque yeah. appearance, and I have like my Latte Dock at the bottom. I have the uh, application menu up in the top left and then i have my lock and shut down buttons on the top right it's my, how i use it yeah yeah my tray up there as well
0: um, you have your tray as well oh your system yeah, tray so my, yeah system tray for right, like, okay. application stuff. i thought up you meant top, like um task right. list or something no no
1: no um and what i did actually discover was the the kde kickoff menu you can actually switch out for mm-hmm. yep. i think they call it the application dashboard yep and that gives you the full-screen kind of Gnome-esque...
0: Slash skin. launch pad from Mac look.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So I switched it to that, and I, that was the one thing that I used to use a lot on Gnome. Uh, so I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll go for that then. Um, but the reason for the dock on the right was um, somebody in a, another Discord server happened to say like they, they have their dock on the right as well and I was like why do you like why do you have your dock on the right? Like what, what's oh, are this you about was... Yeah and he he said something like um, oh like it's something to do with the fact that all content is like left aligned or tends to be over to the left or the middle of the screen. Mm-hmm. And less stuff tends to be on the right-hand side, so it's like he cannot... like. It, I can't remember, because he didn't link me anything or something. It was just a, he said, like, oh, like I've looked into it. Um, and he was like, the right-hand side of the screen is, like, the least used
0: side in terms of content. Yeah, but it would take so much more sort of muscle memory training to then start using that, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I, I kind of struggled with it for a little bit, but that's because I was used to my... Dock being at the bottom. What? Um,
0: uh, why didn't you uh, sort of replicate the same kind of layout on GNOME? By the way.
1: Uh, what you mean with the dock at the bottom and yeah, panel, uh, panel at, the top, at the top, dock at the bottom. Yeah. Uh, because I can't remember. Can you turn off panel mode on the Ubuntu dock?
0: So, uh, if you download um, Decon Editor. D-
1: or deconf yeah you can
0: do a lot yeah well basically a as far as i'm aware Ubuntu Doc is kind of just dash to doc anyway yeah it uh, pretty much is so if you I know
1: that in i know that in dash to doc you can change it between panel mode and yeah so um,
0: so mode. if you download Decomf editor, you can do the exact same thing um with a mm-hmm. buntu um and it the last time I checked, uh, even the settings um, title was still Dash to Docs. So if you open up deconf Editor and go to the Dash to Docs settings, um, all of those changes will apply to the Ubuntu Doc.
1: Ah, yeah. Well, I didn't know that, but I didn't uh, want to start messing about with that in the middle of trying to make Spiro. Well, you, you have more. You to... have more
0: important things to do, didn't you? <laughs> yeah,
1: definitely. <laughs> yes. um, but yeah, I, I I did briefly put it down at the bottom, and there was just something about how they. How they laid it out, and I was just like, Ugh. you know
0: so is 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 that all you're playing at the moment then uh a mixture of Spyro and, and uh, Crash
1: no so i'm playing I am playing fallout four as well,
0: oh, you mentioned that on the discord, yeah, I didn't realize, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. so fallout four interesting quirk, um, oh, yeah. if I use it on leap fifteen two, I have to add a flag for proton that I used to have to add when I was playing it on Ubuntu, like, 18 and 19 versions.
0: What's the flag? But if I,
1: uh, It was Proton Noe Sync. Okay. And I don't know what that does, but I had to add it, because otherwise the game would just um, crash out. Okay. Um, but when I play it on uh, Tumblebead, and I'm pretty sure it does it on Ubuntu as well, I don't need that flag. <laughs>
0: That's very strange.
1: Yeah, so I don't know if they changed something in Mesa 20 that for some reason now makes it not need that flag, but I thought that was an interesting uh, little note that I had. Do you play any
0: any like multiplayer games online or anything?
1: Uh, I used to play Dota 2. Oh,
0: really? Yeah. Isn't that a like bit like of not a commitment? Very,
1: not very well, but I used to play it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll tell you what's annoyed um, me, the actually.
1: Game, the oh, only other game that I've played recently that's multiplayer is Team Fortress
0: 2. God, you're taking us all the way back. Um, I know, right? <laughs> so I've been. I always play CSGO. I've been playing Counter Strike since like 1.5 or perhaps before, to be honest, when I was really young. Because mm-hmm. my brother used to have like a makeshift internet calf. Like, we obviously, he didn't pay any, like charge anyone. But he had like back in the day, he had like, like a. Just. Uh, so many computers that he's just sort of Frankenstein together and then like he'd, he'd invite his friends over and they'd literally stay up to like five six in the morning just sessioning out some really old sketchy version of Counter-Strike and then when I was really young I remember like just always been like let me come up and play let me come up and play so I've been playing Counter-Strike since I was light in in, in like little school do you know what I mean like really young school and I just can't shake it so I'll, what if i what have I you know, what, I tried to play the other day, and it really welled me up. Actually, that I couldn't get it to launch, and it because I only bought it specifically to play it on that day as well. I went onto one of these sketchy um, CD key <laughs> website things, right? And I was like, yes. oh, I'm going to get this game, and I'm going to redeem it in Steam, and that will work fine and stuff. But it won't launch. Mm-hmm. And so I've tried. I've tried so many different uh, sort of Proton builds and everything like that. The game is Mol- wow. Mortal Kombat 11 because I'm I was obsessed with just fighting games as well growing up um so I was, i'm just gonna play this and i've tried and tried and tried and i can't get it to launch on linux and i don't have any other operating systems to really use just to play games with anyway so if any okay. if anyone's managed to get that working on linux send me a send me a message and tell me your secrets because i really want to play it <laughs> um but yeah that's uh that's been my gaming at the moment if, do you know what i haven't actually got time to play any games at the minute like properly like I can't remember the last story driven game, you know, that takes a sort of substantial amount of hours to get through that I've played.
1: Yeah.
0: I think do you have any consoles?
1: Uh I used to I used to have consoles, I don't anymore.
0: So I've got a Switch at the moment that I've it's just gathering dust and I need to you, <laughs> yeah.
1: Just have so it's too haven't... much time management.
0: Yeah, like between working and doing everything else on the channel things like that, I just don't have time to just sit down and play a game.
1: Yeah.
0: And I kind of offer... Do you know
1: what? Do you know what I think the solution to that is Tyler? I think you should play Hedge Wars.
0: Oh, really I've, I've, I've never played Hedge Wars, so uh Oh, Hedge
1: Wars is fantastic. Like <laughs> you can have a match in like 5 minutes. It's crazy.
0: So what's the uh what's the dynamic of Hedge Wars? What is what even is it?
1: you ever played worms
0: oh of course yeah yeah
1: it's basically that but it's free
0: nice yeah
1: and it's linux it like compatible you can get it in snap you can get it in uh, repositories you can get it in Flatpak. they've got online play
0: all right i reckon me and you need to have a little tournament then and then it can be a, a topic of a, of the podcast
1: I would love that if we could do it in the discord server and have like a, a hedge wars championship
0: yeah we will we can do that we can do that <laughs> we will have to yeah. um i will have to make up a little league table or something and see you reign supreme
1: yeah
0: all right we can It'll do that me. you reckon <laughs> yeah yeah but you, you you've probably you've probably played it quite recently though haven't you
1: Yeah, relatively,
0: yeah. I will tell you what I'm going to do tonight as well. I'm just going to download it and just hammer it for a good few hours until I'm at a decent level. Then I'm going to be like, tournament time. (laughs) Okay, so um, moving on to another topic. I was... Ah, okay, that's a good one. So the whole paying for a distro thing. uh, Yeah. So there's a few ways to sort of pay for a distro, I guess. I'm not going to really want to cover too much about the whole don't, like, you know, voluntary donations or whatever. Yeah. But actually paying for a distro, how do you sort of feel about that in the grand scheme of things?
1: Um, so obviously, like, there's the Enterprise ones, right, that
0: yeah.
1: you don't really, like, pay for the distro, you pay for support. the support that with it, because legally they can't charge for the nope. distro. Um... And obviously for the Enterprise ones, I'm kind of like, well, yeah, come on.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Um, so desktop-wise in, in, in particular, then, sort of how do you feel about all that?
1: So the only two I can think of that you kind of quote-unquote pay for, mm-hmm. and the, the one that probably fits the... The way that you're kind of talking about it more is um, Zorin OS, but the Ultimate Edition, or whatever it's called.
0: Have you ever used it?
1: I have never used it. I've not tried Zorin OS Ultimate because I didn't want to try some of the features of the other editions that they've been on.
0: Um, And I, I don't want to pay just to try it. So I've, you know, one of the benefits of being someone who makes little YouTube videos about Linuxy distros is that I can just send people messages and they give me free stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um So I, 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 um, they were really sort of cordial and actually quite easy to deal with. Actually, I sent them an email just like, send me a, send me a free link, then mate. And, and they did. So I was like, all right, cool. So, um. Yeah, well, you, you've got a sort of everything that I've done on the channel where I've worked or like used a product or something that requires monetary yeah. investment it's always just been a total blag. So even even like the K Focus stuff, I just I just sent the guy a message on Twitter like, send me a review unit, boss. Let's let's get something moving, and it and it happens. <laughs> so um, I uh, I think it's I don't know if I could say it's worth the money or it isn't. To be fair to be fair though it's not like a one-time purchase and then that's it if you lose your thing or whatever it's gone they'll say every time there's an update they will send you the newer version you don't have to pay for it again and you just re-download it and things like that yeah so that's pretty cool i don't know what the u it's been a while since i've looked at it. i don't okay yeah so you get the different layouts included in that version but yeah again you can you know changing the layout is probably not worth a uh, a monetary exchange,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but the argument that I support for instead of against is the fact that it does, you know, that money does help in in future sort of projects and stuff that they are going to be working on.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, um, the only thing I did uh, before was I did actually pay um, Elementary OS.
0: Is it? Is it do you? Pay, you can. I thought it was just to pay to pay what you want for the app center. Is there actually? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's
1: got so the, so the actual download link uh, when you first. Oh, to of them,
0: course. Just, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's got the, the suggested donation amount on it, but you can actually customize that, and you just put zero in. It just lets you download it. So, um, how much did you did not, you
0: did you give them a little donation for them?
1: Yeah, I think I gave them like. Uh, 20 quid or something. Uh, but then obviously because of the way the app center is styled as well, there were actually apps that I was using at the time that I thought, yeah, you know what actually like worth um, donating for these apps to give the developers something. So that was kind of some of the logic behind why I only gave them 20 quid cause it, rather than the suggested amount. Cause it was like, well, hang on, I've got to pay for these apps as well.
0: Yeah. Um, so I think, um, who else has recently started getting donations pop o s are doing uh this sort of a donation thing now as well, aren't they? I think for
1: um... yeah, yeah, um, I did see an interesting thing about that uh somebody on reddit, I can't remember where it was that I saw, but they were discussing pop o s now taking donations, and they were basically saying it's because uh system seventy six is like largest growth at the minute or whatever is in pop OS yes. <laughs> so
0: well, right. even even just um, I think I do believe even if you just do a, like a web search, the first thing that's going to come up will be Pop OS for System 76. Yeah. Oh no, it's not. Oh. Oh. Hammering oh, the works. Oh. No, but yeah, what you're saying is I think most of the interest in in System 76 does kind of spawn from from Pop OS. Yeah.
1: So it kind of makes sense that they would be asking for donations. And, that you know, there is work that I, I think they're doing sort of in the background to kind of, you know, push things along a little bit that is obviously going to need uh, some money because obviously they've got their own developers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, you know, the developers
0: need paying. <laughs> yeah. And what about... Um, so there are some really... I'm going to say rubbish distros that ask for donations, which is fine if someone's willing to to donate to something. Yeah. But I'm not sure it's a... uh, What would the word be? I don't think it's a very sound business model to really get into. I think...
1: No, I mean, I'll I'll use an example here, and I'm sure it's probably applicable to a, a lot of distros that ask for donations, not just the, like, quality ones or yep. the not-so-quality ones. There's, um, you know, a lot of people kind of do these things. Um, that there's a guy, so I'll use an example here. There's a guy I know that he makes a Discord bot, and obviously he has the Discord bot running on a VPS. Now, obviously, he has to pay for the VPS. Yep. Like There is such thing pretty much as a free VPS. Um, and obviously that costs him money that he is, and it it isn't exactly cheap either because it it takes a lot by the time your bot's in like 30 odd servers or something, it it does actually take quite a bit of resources to Mm -hmm. keep running. He asks for donations, right? And he can track in his bot how many unique users, um, each, like it has, under its uh, scope yep. he, he actually posted the thing the other day and it was actually a little bit depressing so he said like there's like 1,000 to 2,000 unique users of which 4 have donated
0: oh that is harsh isn't
1: it yeah and I think there's kind of a, a little bit of that in Linux distro and Linux app worlds where people will just kind of use something for free because it's already available for free yeah um and that's kind of why to some extent i kind of like the elementary os sort of model because it's like it's pay what you want and it's like if this app is quality and it's vetted and it goes into the like elementary os cherry pick things and it works really well i think it's worth the money
0: well, I think any—I think any work that's done in a sort of uh, semi-professional sense is is going to be worth the money. Someone's got to get paid somewhere.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, but sometimes I don't know if it's like just sort of a little like hobby project. Sometimes I'm kind of like mm, people asking for donations for this is a little bit like. Eh.
0: Yeah, um, I'm not against paying for. Oh, oh a well designed application or or even to a certain extent uh like a fully fledged distribution asking for money per se i've not yeah um i've in fact I've even donated to very fringe desktop distributions before as well even um even alive do you know what alive is alive 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 uh it rings a bell, but I'm not sure what it is uses the um oh, what's the desktop what's the desktop enlightenment desktop. no uh, no <laughs> so um, i've done a video on one of their betas a little while ago um and i was like oh it's, you need to pay for the beta you because co- it was like a sort of there's a free version yeah. and there's a non-free version and the beta you had to kind of pay for to get like a first look at it or whatever and i was like i want to use i want to do it on the channel to do a little video on it not that it's going to get loads of views or anything because it didn't but i was like fine i'll Pay for it but i'll also ask for a free version right so <laughs> well, you, you got it anyway so i sent i sent the guys yep. an email but I, I was i was kind of like at the point where i didn't want to wait for a response so i just pulled the trigger and, and just bought it um and I, to be fair i don't think it was a very worthwhile investment at that point but they did actually email me afterwards and say you can have it for free. But by that time, I'd already paid the donation, and I'm not gonna, you know, be like, give me yeah. my donation back. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but yeah, um, I want a refund. Yeah. <laughs> give me a refund, please, for my donation that I've. Yeah, but like, and there's been a few times where I have paid for just little bits and pieces, and for yeah. projects that I think are worth the money because I'd like to see where they go in the future. Yeah, um, I'm not sure what I kind of think about. Uh, I don't know. There's certain people that are really against it for for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and I think they. I'm not sure what I really think about that. To be fair, I don't think you should be against it. Just don't buy it. Yeah, <laughs>
1: it's
0: kind of quite simple, Just isn't it? Don't pay
1: for it. Well, yeah. it's
0: not like there's a lack of you know free alternatives.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So the next topic, I'm going to let you take the lead on because I'm not really. I mean, we'll 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 both probably just trip over oh, it right, a little bit. But so it's going yeah, to be the. So
1: it's, uh, so it's Firefox or rather Mozilla adding yeah. uh, Comcast as a trusted uh, DNS over HTTPS provider to Firefox. Uh, and there was a lot of kind of like lol what <laughs> moments <laughs> uh, so yeah it, it, for people who don't know uh, DNS is uh, how you get to websites so when you type a word in like I don't know, I'm going to name drop them but google.co.uk or whatever, it goes away to a server says hey do you know where I can find this page and mm-hmm. it comes back and says yeah here you go here's the address um DNS historically has not been quote-unquote secure. All of the transactions have kind of been done in uh, plain text. They haven't been encrypted at all. Um, Whereas now, DNS over HTTPS is starting to do that. Firefox has had it as a feature since uh, version 60-something? I have no Uh, idea. I don't know either. And when they initially rolled it out they were using a service provided by cloudflare who are a um, content delivery slash network proxy type company um and since then they've added next dns as a provider and comcast who are uh one of the internet service providers in the united states um a little while ago Mozilla turned on DNS over HTTPS by default for users in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Um and now Comcast have jumped aboard the ship of being on the list of resolvers. Um and previously, you know, things being how they are, I don't know the full situation in the, in the United States, but a lot of people were kind of like Comcast is not a great company. Why are you know Mozilla basically selling out to Comcast for this? And I was kind of like, no. (laughs) So you know they're they're providing a service and they've realised that for certain things it's probably in their customers' interests Mm -hmm. to have a DNS over HTTPS uh, service. Um, and so, there is a blog post by uh, some guy who works for Mozilla that kind of explains the logic behind why they have Comcast listed and what they're going like what their vision like vision is for um, DoH on Firefox, yeah. and it, a lot of it kind of went over my head because I, I was just sort of like, this is a little bit too technical for me. I'm not quite sure I understand what he's saying.
0: I mean, um, this is not my wheelhouse either, to be honest.
1: No, uh, but the initial reactions were kind of, you know, as I say, Mozilla are selling out to Comcast, or Comcast are going to abuse this and you know harvest data from it and and what have you. You know, it, it was kind of like. Are they though
0: yeah, I'm not too sure about that as well and I know there seemed there's like people in the discord sort of mentioning some sort of exodus from from Firefox and and talking about alternative browsers or whatever yeah I'm not um, I'm not too sure about that
1: no and it does actually say that in the article you can override the Comcast settings anyway with whatever you want.
0: Right, okay, you know, I didn't so, see that part. So you
1: can set Cloudflare as your DOH provider. You could set NextDNS as your DOH provider. Uh, there's a couple of other services out there, one of which I used before, that you could just put it in and it, it works. It's kind of like you could you just set it to whatever you want. Um, but what got me was at the time when DOH first came out, there were some people and I, I can't remember specifics because it was a while ago now and it happens but there were a lot of people that were kind of saying the same sort of things about cloudflare providing the service right okay and i was kind of like so is this just a kind of knee-jerk reaction of oh no corporation providing free service what could possibly go wrong i
0: think it is the knee-jerk reaction (laughs) that's all it is to be fair
1: yeah, and, and maybe it's just that I don't know enough about the situation
0: or what Comcast's tendencies as a company. Well, I've not. Obviously, I'm t- t- have no sort of interaction with any concourse Comcast whatever stuff because I'm I'm UK or whatever. But I've not yeah. heard good stuff about them as a you know an overall entity or whatever. But yeah, I'm not. But sh- you
1: don't hear good stuff generally about most of the US ISPs or indeed some of the ones that exist in the UK it's just that no you know it, it's just I don't know it, it just seems a bit like you know again people kicking off for the sake of kicking off rather than yeah
0: if um, if anyone knows a bit more about this do sort of chuck a comment and tell us how stupid we might be being to not be seeing the big sort of red herring here or something but um
1: maybe we're missing the point because you know i mean i mean maybe
0: i'm a a comcast shill and i'm getting that corporate money
1: maybe maybe you actually work for sky who are owned by
0: comcast yeah maybe (laughs) i hate sky man it's the sky owned comcast then uh no, Comcast owns Sky. Ah, there we go. Didn't you mention as well they might own Virgin Media or there's some interaction there or something?
1: Uh no. So I thought I thought Comcast owned Virgin Media and they don't they own Sky. Right. And that okay. was why I got confused, but I don't I don't think there's any other funny shenanigans going on.
0: So do you think this is gonna impact Firefox's numbers, like as, you know, of active users at all or?
1: Uh to be honest temporarily yes long term probably not
0: I think I have seen a little bit online about the whole sort of knee jerk reaction of people going well I'm going to move to this I'm going to move to that so I think the short term it might suffer a little bit
1: yeah that's what I mean in the short term there'll be people that'll leave but then I think you know there'll always be a proportion of people that will come back anyway
0: so what's um, what's the current market share hold on let me have a look Firefox is something like 13%-ish, is it give or take. Uh, some, I it was... We've got the, the the stats counter, global stats here. Hold on, we have... Oh, yeah. The global stats exactly, counter. Exactly, could you get more... <laughs> <That> rep- <well-road laughs> exactly, I, I know these guys. Um, so Chrome is at 65.47. Safari is actually... I don't know how recent these are, actually. What the hell? Hold on. Apparently they came to be quite recent as of June 2020. Uh, Firefox is at 4.25% according to this. Oh, okay. UC Browser. What's UC Browser?
1: Uh, it's some Android browsery oh, right. type thing.
0: Yeah, I tell you what though, the fact that Samsung Internet is on there shows you the kind of dominance of mobile sort of browsing these days because that's the default web browser that you get on sort of most Samsung Galaxy phones. As far as I'm aware, they don't have a desktop client, and they're still managing to get into the sort of global rankings there.
1: Yeah that's the power of things being the default isn't it
0: well exactly i mean i've got a samsung galaxy phone and i've disabled the uh samsung browser but from yeah. what i can hear uh function functionality wise it's it's okay but i just wouldn't use it
1: yeah but it's like you know why why was internet explorer the dominant web browser worldwide for years default yeah
0: okay so i've got just the desktop market share here i think that one was sharing mobile stuff so chrome again is ah. Chrome again is still way ahead at sixty nine point forty two. Yeah. Safari is second, but again, that's just going to be purely because it's the you know the default browser on Macs and stuff. Yeah, Firefox is third again um, at eight point eight point four eight, and that's of June. Okay. So I'll, I'll keep an eye on it. I don't. I can't see it dra- yeah. dramatically dropping though. To be honest with you,
1: no, I don't. I don't know that it's going to lose an awful lot of people
0: from it i'm slightly concerned that 2.8 percent of people out there are still using internet explorer though
1: oh that'll be like that's from worldwide though that'll be from you know god knows where
0: (laughs) (laughs) and there's a legacy edge at 3.45 percent why is it legacy oh because they've made a newer one based on chromium oh
1: yeah yeah
0: is that coming to linux
1: it's supposed to be but I don't know, man. I think I
0: saw something about
1: that. Could be a while. I mean, look how long it kind of took them to get um, Windows or Microsoft Defender ATP to Linux because that came out recently, but they announced that like last year or something.
0: Were they not quite quick with um, Teams, Microsoft Teams?
1: Yeah, I think they were, but then. microsoft makes most of its money from office mm-hmm. and kind of the way that they're trying to position themselves in the market with like wsl and products like that is towards sort of more hybrid sysadmin sort of things so i think that's probably why they they brought it out pretty quickly plus from my understanding it's an electron app anyway oh there you go <laughs> Yeah, so it's kind of like Slack, you know. It, it's an electron app. It'll pretty much, you know, little bit, little bit tweaky, and it'll. Uh, it'll have run you anyway. um,
0: Have you used WSL much?
1: No, I, I last touched it when it was still version one.
0: Yeah, um, I I tried it and, out the other day.
1: I, then I switched to Linux full time anyway because I was like, "What is the point when I could just use Linux?" <laughs> well, exactly. I
0: think i tried it out the other day just because i was curious and my laptop has a free windows license just attached to the hardware so every now and then i'll oh, like yeah yeah so every now and then i'll have a windows installed on there just just because i've been curious and i've had a look at it the other day it's yeah. uh it's interesting um i'm not sure the um, i'm sure it feels a, a niche for people like developers or whatever that need it yeah. i i again though at that point just use linux
1: yeah, or like at least dual boot or something.
0: I'm kind of against dual booting at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Windows and Linux anyway, I have about 20 million boots of all different Linux distros on my computer. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> so um, at one point, this computer that we're running had uh, Mac-, Mac OS... Mac OS. Linux and a Windows all on the same one, it was like a tri boot kind of deal, but that was just too much to... Yeah, yeah, the Holy Trinity. It was too much <laughs> to maintain though to be fair.
1: The Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit.
0: <laughs> which is which in that uh, dynamic? Uh
1: I would probably say Windows is the father. Right. Followed by the son being Macos, followed by the Holy Spirit being Tux, of course.
0: <laughs> yeah i mean maybe
1: the church of Emacs, you know
0: god i haven't looked yeah i remember that whole thing the church of Emacs. You know. <laughs> okay um so is there anything else you want to mention before we wrap it up
1: no i think that pretty much wraps up what we wanted to talk about in this episode
0: lovely um so before we go this is also on spotify now and I've done a good job of trying to anything that we've been talking about on the screen sort of make audible so the Spotify listeners can sort of hear it in just the audio form. I'm looking at different uh, sort of providers, if you like, or somewhere to upload it to get a decent RSS feed. I've tried out a couple and I've given an RSS link to a few people just to see how it all works and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I'm working on getting that done and I've... People also want it on the Apple Podcasts, apparently, so I'm going to get it on there as well, yeah. I guess. I'm, I'm really excited about that part.
1: Yes, yeah. I can tell there's positive enthusiasm yeah. coming.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so the audio version of this that's on Spotify at the moment will coincide with this upload, so it should be online at roughly the same time, so you can choose which version you rather. View, and also it's on Library just as a sync anyway, so it'll always be on Library maybe an hour or two after the YouTube release. Yeah. Okay. that's good. Thanks, everyone. Uh, that was episode two of the tyres Techcast. Um, we'll try and phase out the average. Lin- I might even retroactively just go and change the title of the last episode.
1: Yeah, uh, and republish.
0: I won't need to republish it. I'll just uh, I'll just just, just edit it in the um, YouTube studio or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, lovely. Right, take it easy, man. See you later. Bye-bye.